Welcome into the Post Bulletin Sports Podcast. Isaac Trotter and Guy Lundbeck. We had a lot of NFL draft coverage up on the website throughout the weekend. If you haven't checked that out, go ahead and check that out. But this is our NFL draft recap and kind of going over what the Vikings did, what they li- what we liked, what we didn't like, and and everything in between. And Guy Lindbeck is here, the veteran sports reporter from the sports from the Post Bulletin. And I'm looking up here at the board here, Guy. And when we did our mock draft. A guy that you had selected at 22, Jeff Gladney from TCU, the cornerback, the Vikings got him. Not the right pick, not that the 22nd pick, but they did get your guy. So you're one for one on your choices here. We'll, we'll ignore the rest of the board where we really messed up a lot of different things. But honestly, for the most part, we did pretty good overall. But when there's trades and there's different things come in, it kind of net messes everything up. And we were not perfect in our mock draft, other than the fact that you got Gladney right to TCU from TCU. I think we did get maybe five of the first six picks right, so we didn't do too bad. You know, once after you get some of the obvious choices out of the way, you never know t- whose team's gonna go for. And uh, also, like, we had a pick at number 13, uh, San Francisco taking defensive tackle Kinlaw, yep. which we, I, both of us liked him. We loved him. Yeah, uh, so he went there to the, the 49ers. That's a pick we got right later on, as you mentioned. I took Jeff Gladney with the number pick number 25, Actually, number 22 for the Vikings. The nice thing about the Vikings is they traded down from 25 to 31, and they still got that guy that I liked them getting, so Jeff Gladney. So they picked up some additional picks, got a guy they wanted, and and definitely needed. It's it's pretty great. And, And let's start here with this. The Vikings had 15 draft picks throughout this draft. That's an NFL record once they went to seven rounds. An NFL record. That's what the Vikings did. And in the process, they set themselves up to get a couple future picks for next year already. They already have 11 or 12 slots lined up for next year's draft. I thought Rick Spielman did a really nice job. And as we looked at this draft coming into it, we said they need to address cornerback, they need to address offensive line, and they need to address wide receiver. With their first pick, they get wide receiver taken care of. With their second pick, they get a cornerback taken care of. And with their third pick, they take offensive linemen, take care of the offensive line with the addition of Ezra Cleveland. I really liked that they that Spielman looked at these holes and said, I'm going to fill these. I'm not going to get cute. I'm going to fill these. And he went out and got it done. Yeah, and then in the, with their fourth pick, which was still in the third round, they come back with another cornerback, Cameron Densler. So... Got two cornerbacks in the first three rounds, so that's a big. It was a big position of need, and they kind of nailed those picks, in my opinion, just because they were able to address it what they needed, and they went out and they did that early yeah. on. Yeah. Overall, if you look at it, they had three of their top eight picks were cornerbacks. If you throw in the fifth rounder, Harrison Hand from Temple. So yeah, you we were all over that. The cornerback was a big need. They lost their top three corners from this past season. They replaced them with these guys. I think that. If we're looking, though, I think that when you look at the first round, not a ton surprised me other than that Justin Jefferson, the LSU wide receiver, dropped to them at 22. I thought the Eagles were going to take him at 21. They went with Jalen Rieger instead from TCU. Justin Jefferson took him. I like the trade down to get Gladney. But I thought the pivotal point of the draft was in the second round when we saw all of these wide receivers and all of these running backs start to come off the board early in the second round. Eventually, six wide receivers and four running backs have been taken in the second round. Then you see Philadelphia go up and they get Jalen Hurts from quarterback from Oklahoma that they didn't really need. A lot of people have kind of said that was confusing. Almost but, a Packer type. Right, in right. Fact, you know, kind of dealing a little bit for the future. Although Carson Wentz has not been super healthy throughout his Sure, he's career. always hurt at the end of the year. He is, so they maybe thought that was a position that they needed to kind of secure. Right, but I thought that all of those things 
knocked down Ezra Cleveland to 58, to 58 in the second round. And I thought that was the turning point there because they could have traded up. And Spielman talked about, hey, I'm going to want to trade up. I want to get aggressive with all these picks that I've accumulated. And they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to give up any capital to get the guy that they wanted at 58. I thought that set the big tone because if you look on the set, if you look at the second round, he was the top left tackle taken. Josh Jones, who a lot of people like but had some extracurricular stuff he dropped all the way down to mid 70s and you got the top left tackle of that outside of that top tier of guys that went in the top 14 you got him at 58 and you didn't have to trade up for him i thought that was a really critical point that was I, yeah I, I agree with you there in fact you talk about you just mentioned josh jones he was the guy who had the viking slot and picking at number 25 a lot of people did I was surprised that he dropped down as far as he did. He got picked after Cleveland. So the, obviously the Vikings liked Cleveland much more than they did Josh Jones. And they weren't alone. Everybody else liked Cleveland more than they liked Josh Jones as well because with how much he dropped. But I was, I, I think that I think that when you look at this draft, 15 picks, you're going to get a lot of guys. But the way that they went about it and the way even in the fourth round when they went and got James Lynch, the defensive end from Baylor, he was the player of the year in the Big 12. In the seventh round, they went and got Kenny Willekes from the defensive end from Michigan State. He was the 2018 Big 10 defensive player of the year. They just have a lot of quality gets here. I didn't see a ton of reaches. There's a few picks that we'll get to later. But for the most part, I thought the Vikings absolutely nailed this draft. It seems like they did. And you talk about the, the rookie class, I would say that as many as four of those guys could be starters day one. Yes. I would say Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver, Jeff Gladney, the cornerback, Ezra Cleveland, uh, offensive tackle. And then I'm going to go down and say Troy Dye, a linebacker they picked in the fourth round. I love him. I, I think they're going to like him a lot. They've got two set quality linebackers in Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. But after that, uh, their third linebacker. Wilson. Guy, Eric Wilson. Eric Wilson and a guy from Michigan. Uh, yeah, anyway, right. Anyway, yep, yep. So that's not a real strong third linebacker they have. So Troy Dye is a guy I think that might be able to come in and start from day one there. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, let's go here. Which rookie is going to make the biggest impact right away in year one? And then we're going to – which one do you think? Of these 15, which guy do you circle as that guy is going to make the biggest impact right away year one? Well, the way I look at it is the Vikings lost their top three cornerbacks from last year. So I think a guy who's going to be pressed into play and have to play right away is going to be Jeff Gladney. I think he's going to be the guy, I'm not saying he's going to be their best rookie, but I think he's going to be the guy that has to make an immediate impact from day one. He's physical, he's strong, he's fast. Um, a couple of knocks on him where they didn't love his 40-yard dash time, but he was injured. He was fighting through some of those things because he really needed to work and be there at the combine. He just, he seems like a Mike Zimmer type of guy, right? That's just, that's the corner that he looks like, right? It does seem like he's a Mike Zimmer guy. and. If anybody can quickly mold a cornerback, you think it would be uh, right. Mike Zimmer as well. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I was just going to say, uh, people might look at Je uh, Jefferson, the wide receiver, the first-round pick, that he's going to have to come in and step in right away. Obviously, you got Adam Thielen. you got a couple other veterans on there. So mm -hmm. he might get to ease in a little bit more, but in the long run, he maybe have a bigger impact. Yeah, yeah. I th that's the next question here. I agree with you on Gladney. I think Gladney's going to be the guy that makes the first round. And even, you know, I like Justin Jefferson too, but if I'm going to take a second stab at this one, I think Dantzler's got an opportunity here. Who knows? If, if Gladney doesn't beat Dantzler out for the job, that's a guy that a lot of people had ranked a little higher. Some of the athleticism numbers weren't there. His 40-yard dash time was bad. He said it wasn't because of injury. It was more because of he just had a bad run. And then he sent the 
Vikings a video of him running a 4.3840. And if that's the guy you're really getting, that's a big-time impactful player. So I would probably rank these year one. I'd go Gladney one, Dantzler two, just because position of need, and then Jefferson three. But, you know, two and three are very interchangeable. A lot of these guys are going to be out in the field. How about this? Who do you think is going to be the biggest impact long term? Who's the, who's the rookie here that we look back in six or seven years and go, wow, that dude's the star of that class? I still think it's going to be Jeff Gladney with Jefferson an outside chance there. You know, you just, just the way the hits and misses have been with wide receivers over the years, I think yeah. you've talked about that. Yep. Maybe since 2015 or 16. Yep. I think it was about 60% of the first round wide receivers are busts. So, you know, I, you know obviously Viking fans hope that is not the case, but uh, I just want to see, you know, what he does production-wise once he gets yeah. in the field to make sure – you know, that uh, he, can, he can pull up long-term. I think that guy might be uh, Ezra Cleveland for me. I think in five or six years we'll be really excited about this kid. And the more I read, the more I listen, the more excited I get about him just because the athleticism there is top-notch. He was one of the top 40-yard dash times, one of the top bench press times, one of the top three-cone drills. He just has that speed that you absolutely need for the zone rushing scheme. And moving forward, we know that the Vikings are going to be a ground-and-pound team. Like, their, their identity is on their rushing attack. And I I think that adding a guy like Cleveland could be that in the long term. Jefferson's going to be good, you right? I'm not worried about him. I think he's going to be a really solid, high-floor type of player. But I think Cleveland here has some super high upside that we could look back in five or six years and be really excited about him. On the defensive side, a guy that this might be a hit or miss guy yeah. that I'm looking long term, just be uh, DJ Wanham. Yeah. The, the pick in the fourth round, defensive end, I'm just going to say that because he has the body type of a Daniil Hunter. Yes. I'm not saying he's going to be Daniil Hunter, but you've got that body type, and you've got that, you're kind of a you know, tall. 6'5", 250. 6'5", 250-ish. Yeah. Kind of can explode off the ball. If he can be the type of player that Hunter is down the line, mm-hmm. that, that'll be a pick that the Vikings go, wow, we, or Vikings fans really say, we, wow, they really nailed that pick. And the Vikings have kind of hit some home runs in that third, fourth round. They got Dan, Daniel Hunter, he was a third-round pick. Everson Griffin, who looks like he's going to be leaving the team you know, when he was a rookie, first, fourth-round pick. Right. So you know, that's, that's a position they've kind of hit with some, on some big-time guys with those mid-round picks. Well, and it feels like this is a coaching thing here, too, and your defensive line coach says, hey, I want that dude. Even though there's other higher defensive ends on that board for them, I mean, there, there were others that they could have got other than Wanham, but they wanted him badly. They saw something in him that they think they could get out of him. He seems like a high-character guy, three-time captain during his time at South Carolina. He didn't really get much of the spotlight because our boy, Kinlaw, Javon Kinlaw, was their defensive tackle who went 13 to the Niners that we all really liked. So... Maybe that's the case. I'm not as high on Wanham as you are, just because I'm a little concerned about him. Well, but I understand the pick. Yes, I understand the pick, though, because if your defensive line coach says, I want this dude, I take him, right? I, you just take him. You take a chance on that guy if he thinks he can mold something great out of him. And the Vikings have a pretty solid you know, defensive line coach, yes. Andre Patterson. Right. He's really been able to take these young guys and mold them. So I think that uh, he's coming to a good situation there with a good coaching staff and he'll have a real chance to learn from any any other of these picks down the line that really stood out to you that you really liked that maybe you talked yourself into a little bit more? Because, I mean, that's the draft, right? I mean, once you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh round, none of these guys are going to be hits. But is there any of these day three guys from the fourth round to the seventh round that you liked a little bit more than you initially thought? Maybe this comes back to uh, the you know Mike Zimmer coaching up defensive backs. But the Vikings have 
kind of hit, got some uh, safeties yeah. in, in the near in the, in the uh, recently. Anthony Harris undrafted, Andre Sandejo, not very really highly thought of. They've come in and they, you know, they've been pretty productive safeties. Uh, Vikings pick a guy in the sixth round, Josh Metellus. Yes, for Michigan. Michigan, yep. Big Ten guy. He's a guy, you know, I'm not saying he's going to do a whole lot, you know, right away, but maybe three, four years, he might be one of those guys mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're hearing about sneaking into the starting line. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that, you know, I, I covered Illinois football last year and for the last three years, actually. So I'm going to all these Big Ten games and um, I, I see a, a there's a run here of, of Big Ten guys that they get. And Willikus really stood out to me from Michigan State. They take the quarterback, Nate Stanley from Iowa. We'll save that for discussion later down the road. Metellus is interesting. He's got a strong build. You see some of his big hits, and you know Jim Harbaugh can coach some defense. And that's a guy that has really excelled under him. I think the guy I like more and more is James Lynch. I, I think that's a guy that... You know, they brought in Pierce to play he's right now. James Lynch, he's a defensive tackle. Right, yeah. defensive tackle, three technique. Yep. They bring in Michael Pierce to, to play right now, and it's just a one-year deal. But I wouldn't be surprised if Lynch is that guy that starts. So you could – I mean, rookies don't start under Mike Zimmer. That's been well-known. There's not been many Hopefully rookies. they this year. They get, they're going to have to, right? I think Lynch could be a guy that's getting a lot of playing time on the defense. Cam Densler, of course, is going to have a chance. And then Gladney. Those are the, like the top three guys. Die, like you said, looks like a, a special team star. Um, another one that I kind of liked was this Blake Brandle kid from Oregon State, the guard here. I don't know if he projects to be a starter, but he's going to give you more depth. And he's got an opportunity here, man, where he's got some long length. He's, he's really exciting. I mean, you look at his PFF grade. He was one of the highest rated uh, pass blockers this year. He was number one, actually. Yeah, that's like pretty, 93%, that's pretty darn good there. And he only gave up like one sack during the last two years. That's a guy that for taking in the sixth round, not a bad value get there. And he is a pack. Uh, 12 guy, mm-hmm. they, they kind of known for offense, so uh, and, and lots of passing. So right. that means he's having had to protect the quarterback a lot. Also, Pac-12 is not always known for his defense, though. So it's, we'll see how he pans out. I, he does have a nice big body. Yeah, he's about six six three oh eight. All right, um, quarterback here, Nate Stanley from Iowa. What did you were you expecting the Vikings to take a quarterback? Did you like that they waited till the seventh round to take him, or or what? When this guy was slipping about uh, around the, the pick of, like in the one sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Jake Fromm. Yeah. from I Georgia. Thought, yes, I thought the Vikings might be slipping in here. I thought he was going to go to the Vikings, but then the Bills picked him like uh, around like 166, yeah. I believe it was. And I think the Vikings had picked number 169. If he would have been there at 169, I think the Vikings might have taken him there. And I thought, I was kind of hoping that maybe he would slip mm-hmm. down. He did not. I thought the Vikings would make a selection of quarterback. I just thought it might be up, you know, with this. The way they were accumulating picks, I thought they might take a guy in that fourth or fifth round. Here's how I look at Nate Stanley. I don't think that he's a guy that's going to come in and you know blow your doors off of the things that he can do athletically, but he's not a horrible athlete. He's got a big, strong arm, and I think one thing that maybe Mike Zimmer liked a little bit about him and, and what stood out about him is the fact that the system at Iowa and the system that you're going to play here with the Vikings are pretty darn similar. And so when you have when there's not a huge learning gap here, that gives you a higher floor when you don't really have to change that much um, for most college quarterbacks moving to the NFL. Yeah, the one thing I didn't like about Stanley is I, I think in his career he might not have completed 60% of his passes right. in any single season. 
that's maybe a little bit of alarm there. And right. I don't know if he has ac accuracy issues or what, but you know that's kind of something that jumps out. You're completing maybe last year was at 54 percent of the sure. tests. That's a little concerning. The thing that about Stanley and it's a seventh round pick, so who really cares? You know, in the long term, how many seventh rounders turn into stud? But this is a fun conversation. The yeah. thing with Stanley is that he always felt like they went 27 and 12 during the three years that he was a starter. But it always felt like. They wanted more from him. Like, like they, they surround him with a great running game, one of the best offensive lines in the Big Ten. Werfs their stud left tackle. He goes to – or right – he was a right tackle. He goes to the Bucks. Great thing for him. Uh, but they always wanted more from him, and it never really panned out. So I'm, I'm it's a low-risk move. I wouldn't be shocked if he wins the backup job. But, I mean, Sean Mannion, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't feel like that's a high upside thing. Eventually, if Kirk Cousins gets hurt – and you're looking at Mannion or you're looking at, at Stanley to be coming in and starting, then you know your season's in big trouble, right? That, that, that's just a matter of fact. That's how it is. That is. You're right. And, it, you know, a lot of times you see these quarterbacks coming in at fifth, sixth, seventh round. Yeah. And they sit on the bench for a couple, three years, and they turn out to be kind of serviceable guys. Like yeah. Like Case Keenum type guy. Chase Daniels. Guy like yeah. That. I mean, they're not going to be – they're not stars, but they can kind of come in off the bench and be productive for games or two. And that's the kind of – you don't want to – nobody wants to lose their starting quarterbacks. But if you do, you want to have a guy you can feel confident coming in there and you know taking mm -hmm. you to a victory or two. Yeah, you, yeah. If your starter's out a few games, you're not going to hit on all 15 of these picks. You're just not. You're just um, not. No. But there's a few that I didn't really love. Um, I'll start this with this one. I didn't get the KJ Osborne get there Boom, uh, we, in the fifth round. Right? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really like that. Unless you're going, hey, we really need him as a punt returner. I just didn't see it on film. A part of that could be one, he's at Buffalo. The quarterback play there was okay, but not like so outstanding. And then two, you go to Miami. That was one of the worst quarterback rooms in the entire country last year. They went. They had three different starting quarterbacks. They were horrific. They were changing quarterbacks at halftime. Like it was bad. Uh, but I mean, if you're drafting a guy to be your punt returner in the fifth round, really, like that was uninspiring. That was very inspiring to me, especially since they traded down. Yeah. And I was just... Tyler Johnson's there. I was just begging them to be taken. I, was, I tweeted it out. Yeah. This is where you take Tyler Johnson. Right. They trade down. All of a sudden, Tyler Johnson's gone off right. the board. They could have had him. And I saw... I, it was at PFF. Yeah. They had him in their top... Fit. They had Tyler Johnson in the top 50. Oh, the they board. loved him because he never had any drops. He was one of the best hands on... PFF's board. Yeah, although he had like six drops last year, but a couple, three of those came in the same game. Right. But I just think Tyler Johnson, the Minnesota guy, is going to have a really nice career. Yeah, we got to talk about that. Antoine Winfield and Tyler Johnson both going to the Bucks, and guess who they get to? Oh, and Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. They get to play with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans and Chris Goddard. Good for them, man. Good for those two Minnesota dudes. Yeah, the Bucks looked like they had a pretty solid draft, uh, at least in Minnesota. And there's going to be some Minnesota people they're going to be following this year just to see the, how those rookies do. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I, I think that Antoine Winfield's going to do well there. I would not be surprised if Tyler Johnson carves out a role sooner rather than later. But I don't know if he's going to be a starter just because they have Mike Evans. they got all those t tight ends that they're going to have on the field. Chris Godwin's great. But uh, that's a good spot for him in the fifth round. Yeah, I think Tyler Johnson could have came in and been the Vikings number three guy this year. Yeah, I I'm disappointed that they went with K.J. Osborne there because there was much more higher-ranked guys. The Harrison Hand one, I didn't love that pick either from Temple. Although it made a little bit more sense when they said that they think he's going to be a safety. Um, another underrated guy, Brian Cole, seventh rounder from Mississippi State. I'll take a risk on a, a flyer on a guy who's a former four-star prospect, former Michigan commit, great athleticism, great return man too, play, big time hitter at safety. That's a nice little get. And then Kyle Hinton from Washburn. I don't know where Washburn is. Neither do you. 
but he was an All-American for Division Two. You know, like that's in Washington, <laughs> right? I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'll have to see how you know he's going to have to step his game up and be able to handle the uh, the speed of the pro game. Yeah, obviously, so he might have more of a learning curve. He's, I think, definitely a practice squad guy if he yeah. makes the team at all this year. Yeah, it, it's just it's just fun to look at this. All right, let's let's move to this. Did we like the new draft format? Did you like being and, and seeing all of these cameras where all these players are there? Did you like Roger Goodell camped in his basement awkwardly staring to a screen, right? Trying you to... know, I kind of did. I did too. It kind of had like that at-home feel. Yes, like, I did. It, it's just kind of like, hey, these are just kind of like regular guys, you know. Uh, you Mike Zimmer, you see the big you know, <laughs> stuffed animals in his you know, yep. man cave there. And other guys had their, you know, uh, their memorabilia around. I loved it. And Goodell, you know, he'd almost, he's starting to sloop a suit. You know, then he'd the M and M jars dropping. Yeah, yeah, the M and M jar, jar. And then he put a sweatshirt on. <laughs> a couple more hours, you would have been in his footy pajamas, right? Snor- snoring, waking snoring. up. Yeah, I, I just thought it made it more natural, and that's what we kind of needed at this point with everything that's going on in our country. I thought we needed something natural and organic, and that's what this was. It made, it was really nice to have sports back, and I loved the way that they did it. And I would be shocked if in the future they might stick with this because. All of the reports have been it was great. No techno, no technological issues. GMs like being around their families. Coaches like being there. It was a lot less stressful. Plus, they probably didn't have 17 scouts sitting at their table going, well, I want this dude or I want that. You know what I mean? It just was a little bit more simpler. Yeah. I'm sure from, uh, you know, like uh, the, the live sports field, you know, feel you didn't have like the fans yelling right. and screaming you know, like at every pick. Uh, I, I, and I'm sure the fans that like to attend those things. You know, in a setting like Vegas, you right. just go there and you have Nashville, a good old, Nashville, great time. You just have a good old time. So I'm sure that aspect is missing. And you know, the, these communities, larger communities, they are they're not having a large influx of you know money coming into their their place either. So uh, it, they probably won't do it that right. way in the future. But it, it was kind of cool. To see. I think maybe what we, maybe my takeaway, maybe long term of this, is to put those cameras in families' houses to get the reaction for families. In like anything below the second round, like second round and on, ne- moving on, right? If we have an in-person draft next year in the first round or all the first rounders are walking up, that's one thing. But for the second round and on, I want to see the family reactions because those were cool to see the moms crying and all that stuff. Right, yeah, yeah you see the players texting somebody right away. Yeah. The brothers. <laughs> the, like, ah, the, the girlfriends. The Did girlfriends. you see the crazy girlfriends there? Those were fun <laughs> to watch. The one one went from um, the – Austin Jackson kid, right, who gets picked in the first round. His girlfriend's sitting on his knee. The mom comes over, rips him away, and says, I'm here to give him the hug, right? And then uh, CeeDee Lamb, he goes to Dallas. His girlfriend grabs his phone, and he took it away out of her hand. It was, I, was, I was just dying. I think that, that was fun stuff. That was fun to watch. Yeah, that, that is fun stuff. Yeah. All right. Now, now on to looking at the NFC North foes. We got to start here, man. The Green Bay Packers. I, my favorite thing about draft grades is draft grades mean nothing, right? They don't mean anything at all. But there's nothing better than going and looking at all of these different platforms and seeing great Green Bay Packers grade D, F, C minus, right? I cannot understand a team that won the NFC North, was a game away from going to the Super Bowl, and with their first two picks, they got a backup quarterback and a backup running back. And, and Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon. got a backup tight end. And a backup tight end behind Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati. That's what they got. Unbelievable. And then they traded away their fourth-round pick and the fifth-round pick. They come back, and I believe that was the Minnesota linebacker. Come on, Martin. Martin. Yep. So, good pick. Good pick, but you know some of the draft boards I had like – 
down in the 200s. Right. It, it, they did not do well in no. this. Well, you know, you know what the uh, Packers draft reminded me of? It kind of reminded me if you had a, a Viking fan, a Bear fan, and a Lion fan came together and, and like, let's do a mock draft, guys. Okay? Sure, yeah. Sure. And, uh, okay, well, okay, you're going to pick for the – Viking fan, you'll pick for the Vikings. Okay. Lion fan, you're going to pick for the Lions. Bears fan, you're going to pick for the Bears. And, okay, and we'll rotate with the Packers picks, right? Okay, yeah. And you go around and it's like, okay, uh, I'm well, my turn. I'm going to pick a backup quarterback. For the <laughs> Jordan <league."> Love. Yeah. <laughs> and you but, just see Aaron Rodgers just seething. Uh, and then, okay, oh, you're, oh, yeah, I'm going to reach and take a running back. Yeah. With it. And, okay, I'm going to take a, you know, a tight end. My favorite, my favorite thing was someone said six of the Packers' first seven picks were on offensive players in this draft, and it's possible that none of them are going to play. None of them have starting jobs. We did it perfectly. This you couldn't die, uh, you couldn't make it any perfect. I think the gap between the Packers and the Vikings was there was a legitimate gap last year. It's not it's neck and neck, and if anything, I think the Vikings are ahead now after this draft and what the Vikings have done to revamp their roster. We'll have to see if the Vikings rookies can come in and play at a high level. If right. not, you know the Packers, you know, they uh, you know they had younger players last year too, some younger players that were stepping in and make playing significant roles for them, especially on the defensive side. So, you know, you expect those players to make a jump in years two and three. So we'll see. I will say this with the Jordan Love thing. I didn't think Aaron Rodgers was all that great last year. I didn't either. I think he's on obviously on the descent of his career. And I think the Packers saw it. I think so too. But a lot of their fans still think that he's, you know, 2010 Aaron Rodgers. He's not. Oh, wait. Green Bay Packers fans are over the top? (laughs) Color me surprised. Color me surprised. All right, let's move on to the Bears. Um, kind of a safe draft, right? I think that would probably be my biggest takeaway. Not a lot of picks, uh, but here's here's no what they no first round pick. No first round picks. They had a couple in the second round. They go with Cole Komet, the tight end from Notre Dame. They now have ten tight ends on their roster. They will get about as many as the Vikings. You <laughs> right. One thing I've said about the Vikings: this many picks of the Vikings, they didn't pick a tight end or a kicker or punter. All right, that's that's impressive. Yeah, but yeah, with the Bears, they get another tight end. Um, it is an upgrade because they definitely needed it. Uh, Jimmy Graham's not known for his blocking. Cole Komet's a pretty total package type of tight end, and we've seen Notre Dame tight ends tend to turn out pretty good. Tyler Eifert was really good for a while until he absolutely got hit with the injury bug year after year. Kyle but, Rudolph, uh, I think. He Got a game-winning touchdown pass and play. Semi-decent. Semi-decent. Then the, the Bears go with Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah, who we, you and I had talked a lot about. Um, then after that, it's kind of meh, right? Here's the schools that they took them from. Tulsa, Georgia Southern, Tulane, Tennessee State, and Colorado. So this this is a safe draft. It's a low-risk draft. They filled some of their, their holes, but I'm not that concerned about it. Were you surprised the Bears didn't pick a quarterback? No, I wasn't, and here's why. Because I didn't love the quarterback draft this year. I didn't think Jacob Eason was all that great. I'm not a huge Jake Fromm guy. I really wasn't a big Jordan Love guy. There was really the three studs, and they went in the first six with Herbert and Tua and Burrow. And I think next year you might be able to have a situation where you can get – I don't think the Bears are going to be very good. I really don't. I genuinely don't think they're going to be that good. They could surprise and be decent, but I just, I just, there's so many what ifs. If Foles is good, if Trubisky bounces back, if the running game fixed, if the offensive line, you know, when there's all those ifs, just call it, throw it out, throw it out the door. Um, but if there's a chance for them, they could be in position to get some big time quarterback next year's draft. And there's some big ones and good ones. One from North Dakota State, that's really good. One from uh, obviously Clemson, 
is, is going to have their stud. And then Ohio State is Justin Fields, too. So I, I think I'd rather set up for next year. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence obviously played one. And they probably, they're probably going to be one and two in the draft, though. So the Bears close, close. A lot of people, close. a lot of people like um, a couple offensive linemen from Oregon, and think that they could knock. But him if down. you need a quarterback, right? If you're sitting one or two, well, you that's need a what quarterback, I'm saying. <clears throat> you're gonna pick them. Okay. Or, and if you don't need a quarterback, you're probably gonna deal. No, that that's exactly right. But here's the thing: like, I think it's really interesting to look at these, look around the league right now. Who needs a quarterback? There's not the doll. All right, let's just let's stay the stick Bears. it. Yeah, I agree, right? I agreed. But the Lions? Well, maybe. If, if the Lions, you know, that's the thing you're not even projecting who's going to have one of the worst records in the league sure. next year. You never know who that's going to be. The Lions are always maybe in contention for that. Well, I'm just looking at the NFC. Matthew Stafford's not getting any younger. Right. Here, I'm just looking at the NFC, though. The Philadelphia Eagles have their quarterback situation taken care of. They're not going to be one of the worst, the, worst teams. Right. The Cowboys do, too. They're the Giants do as well. The Redskins, I don't know yet. I'm I'm not sold on on Dwayne Haskins. So we'll, there there's one. The Packers, they think they got theirs taken care of. The Vikings, they think they have theirs taken care of for the foreseeable future. The Bears the Vikings don't. Have one of the worst two records next year. They're taking a quarterback. Agreed, but they're, that's not going to happen. Uh, the Bears don't have their quarterback situation. I, I we'll throw the Lions in there. I don't think they do. But the Saints, they have their quarterback. The Falcons, they probably should draft a quarterback. But you know Matt Ryan's getting old, so we'll throw them in there as four. Tampa has theirs, Carolina has theirs, 49ers have theirs, Seahawks have theirs, Rams have theirs, and Cardinals have theirs. There's not that many teams that need a quarterback next year, which is why that QB market could get a little insignificant. Because if you're, say you're the Giants, and you go 4-12 and again this year, you're not drafting a quarterback with the second overall pick. You could argue they should, but they're not going to. They're going to keep building around well, Daniel Jones. Well, unless, they, unless Daniel Jones has a flop of a season this year. Agreed. But even if, he, I mean, he was only a rookie last year. Right. So... If he comes in and plays poorly this year, doesn't make any progress, they right. might say, okay, well, I guess you know we spent the sixth, round, sixth overall pick on him, but he's not going to work out. We yeah. need to draft Trevor Lawrence. My point is, though, is that there's only five or six or seven teams next year that really need a quarterback. And that's where you can see a situation where maybe the Bears or maybe the Lions get aggressive and do that. Well, right. that's I like to see that because I wouldn't mind the Vikings, uh, you know, uh, exactly a bunch of picks moving up. Well, I don't think that's inconceivable because that's absolutely possible because there's not a big quarterback market. I mean, if we want to play that game in the AFC, the Texans they have their guy. The Titans they have their guy. Indy needs a guy. Indy needs a guy. Agreed. Jacksonville needs a guy. Those are two. But the Chargers, they have their guy. The Raiders, they have their guy. The Broncos, they have their guy, they think. Kansas City obviously does. The Browns have their guy. The Bengals have their guy now. The Patriots need a quarterback. The Patriots, that's three. The Steelers could use one for the long term unless they go get Cam Newton. Um, the Ravens obviously have their guy. The Dolphins, they have their guy in Tua. The Jets, they do. The Bills, they do. So, like, we're talking about six, seven, eight teams that need a quarterback. And even some of those are reaches because some teams could be like, no, we're going to keep building around the Matt Ryans, the Matt Staffords. It's going to be very fascinating because you're right. If the Vikings go, hey, we are, you know, nine and seven this year, Kirk Cousins' value is just, it's, it's not, you know, Kirk Cousins is putting a ceiling on the things that we can do. And they go get crazy. There's a chance where they could go get one of those top three guys next year. And, and if you go like seven, nine, eight, eight, nine, and seven, you might be sitting in the middle of the draft, you know, picking you know in that fifteen to eighteen or fourteen to eighteen spot. And maybe you can make a move, package guys, and make draft picks and move up to like one or two. Well, that's but what, if you're sitting at number thirty-two, that's going sure to be a much bigger. Package. Well, I think so, th- I think that's why 
Spielman adding picks for next year's draft. He has more picks than anybody else next year. He has, a, he has 11 or 12 already. We mentioned that, uh, the picks they added this year. Right. They added a fourth and a fifth rounder for sure next year. That's huge. And they're, and they're likely going to get some comp picks for losing some of the got free agents this year. So No got, one has more picks than the Vikings, which could make that trade a whole lot easier. It'd be cool to see. I, it's part of me like, do I root for that? You know what I mean? Like, do you? Tr- yeah, you never root for. Do you really root for that? No, you don't, because no, this no. core, this core is built to win right now. Yeah, but, but hey, even if even if you're picking down there in the twenties or you know wishful thinking number thirty-two, yeah, maybe you think, wow, this is you know this is the year we can you know some of these young guys we hit on this year are home runs. Yep. We can trade a bunch of these picks one year and make a move up like that. Let's also talk about the Lions. We talked about the Packers. We talked about the Bears. I like that quarterback thing. That's fun to do. That was fun just to see. Well, I, I, I couldn't believe how many teams really have their quarterback. Well, 25 you, out of 32. When you, t- when you tick off all those teams, it seems like there's a lot of good young quarterbacks there in is. the league right now, and that's exciting to see. Yes. The league kind of is, you know, revolves around quarterback play. One team that could have gotten their quarterback were the Lions. They decided not to. They, they're buying in on Stafford. I don't blame them. He was really good last year before the injury. He was playing pretty productive. They get Okuda at three. They don't draft out of it. Um, DeAndre Swift from, from Georgia, they get him as a running sure. back, as their second rounder. I didn't. Okuda's I, a cornerback. Right. I, I didn't mind the Swift take. I thought it was a little early. I love their third round, though. They got Jonah Jackson, the guard from Ohio State. He was really, really darn good. And Julian Aquara from from uh, Notre Dame was a really good pass rushing linebacker. I, I like I like their third rounders. The late ones, you know, it's it's gonna be a, a crapshoot anyway. But I didn't really none of those stood out to me. The Quintez Cephas's, the Logan Stenbergs, you know what I mean. But for the most part, Jackson and Aquara and Okuda are gonna add a lot to that team in in the non sexy positions. You know what I mean? If they don't make a uh, T-shirt like uh, a, a, with a little playoff of a Kuda and a Lion King reference, they're uh, missing out there, aren't they? That is true. That is true. I, I, where would you go here if we're sitting here today? Do you, where would you um, where would you go with your NFC North standing predictions next year, knowing what you know now after the draft? Have the Vikings made enough ground on the Packers, who were extremely lucky last year? Yeah, the, the, yeah. I don't think anybody really looked at the Packers and seeing it and believe that they were a thirteen and three team. I'll just throw this one out for you uh, for the NFC North. Uh, everybody thinking like, oh, NFC North, you know, we're in control now. No, no. Okay, two thousand seventeen Vikings thirteen and three. Next year, eight seven and one. Right. Then. 2018 Bears 12 and, 12 and four. 4. Next year, uh, last seven year, and nine. Seven and nine. Last year, Packers 13 and three. So, are they going to be that third straight team to drop? Man, it's going to be so fun watching all the hell break loose in Green Bay. When I think they're going to, I think they're going to be that team. That, it'll be the same thing this year. So, I'm going to go Vikings and Bears battling for that division title. Next I don't year. think the Lions are out of this. I don't think they are either. They got some decent pieces here. I think you're right, though. I would probably go Vikings one. Vikings one, Green Bay two, Bears three. And the only reason I'm putting Green Bay ahead of the Bears is because I just don't touch that quarterback situation in Chicago. And then I still think that the Lions are fourth, but it's a little closer. That difference between first place and fourth place is not that much. I don't think that the Vikings and the Lions roster is all that different, really. It might not be. Yeah, it really hasn't. All right. We are going to wrap this thing up. This was really fun to do the draft. I had so much fun with this. I think it was even more fun to see the Vikings fill their holes. Any last parting takeaway from the draft? Well, 
some of these guys, uh, some of the rookies might be behind schedule because there's going to be no OTAs now for yep. the foreseeable future. So that could play a big impact too. If we have a season, we're all hoping that there is a season this year. But uh, you can say, you know, Vikings filled a lot of holes. But are these guys going to be able to get into the camps right. early enough? Will they pick? Are they able to pick up the offense, the defense? And if they're not. You might see a veteran team, you know, like the Packers yeah. or the Bears. Right. They have a lot of those vet, not, not as many holes in place. You might see those teams being able to hang on and win the division. Agreed. Like how many, how much can you learn over Zoom? How can you teach these corners to play over Zoom? That's going to be the challenge because they're going to start those May eighth, right? That's when the, those things get started, and they have to do it remotely. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, and some of those, some of those players, they probably learn better. You know, and you can get on a lot easier by talking to them in person. So we're yeah. just going to have to see how that shapes out. Plus also just doing it, right? Like a lot of people can't learn by watching. you got to do it. Well, and you got to move around and understand the footwork and the technique. And that's not easy. Yeah, even if it's just walkthroughs. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier to have walkthroughs with the 22 other guys. And if you're a rookie, you can see how these veteran guys yep. are out there taking care of business. Like, okay, here's a guy who's been in the league 5, 7, 10 years. This is the way he does it. You know, you kind of learn by example. Agreed. I missed football so much. And to have it back really filled a little spot for me. I had, like, that football fix that I needed. The draft did it. Now I'm really even more excited for training camp to get started and then the season. Hopefully we can get this whole coronavirus stuff behind us and we can get back to normal life because when we do, the NFC North is going to be really, really fun, and we're going to cover the heck out of it. Thanks so much for listening to the Post Bulletin Sports Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Boom.